This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. I almost, I'm doing good. We've had a good week here. I almost called you my girlfriend um, because I do the... No need to explain. <laughs> no context. Um, but anyone that listens to Retro Late Fee knows why. By the way, if you listen to Retro Late Fee, there's a uh, treat for you this week, I guess. It's the 25th anniversary of when O.J. Simpson murdered his wife. Allegedly. So we talk about it, and we talk about the Bronco chase. O.J. Simpson's actually on Twitter, so like it's so weird. He just got on Twitter. Yeah, like yesterday, the day before, it was. It could have been on the anniversary for all I know of the murder. Yeah, and that that's what's really weird to me is like, did he plan this? Probably. There's a video if you haven't seen. No, from what evidence, he's not much of a meticulous planner. Yeah, that's true. If you go to if you go to off the cuff kind of guy, <laughs> he shoots from the hip with a knife. Um, yeah, but if you if you go to I think it's at real OJ thirty two or something like that, or at the real OJ thirty two, something like that. Something. But if you if you go and look at his his Twitter account, he has a video on there saying you know that. Uh, He's it's something like there's a lot of fake OJ Simpson accounts out there and I, you know, I'm uh, here. This is the real me. This is going to be the only one that's the real one. And, you know, you'll be hearing from me soon. I've got a lot of uh, getting even to do, which is pretty terrifying coming from OJ Simpson. I mean, the man has been wronged quite a few times throughout his life. That's true. I mean, he's gotten that scrape in 94 that we're talking about on uh on retro light fee and people have stolen from him and everything so is uh, OJ verified you know I don't think it is but no he, I just checked he's not verified so yeah I think oh, that oh his location is free at last <laughs> <laughs> wow he's free somewhere at last uh, to Martin Luther it. King Jr is doing the curly shuffle mhm that's awesome. Did you? I, I you uh, you commented on. I believe that Norm had uh, something to say to uh, to OJ. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I actually counted a couple times. And I deleted them both because I just like spelled something wrong. It was just really annoying. Mm-hmm. But my uh, my suggestion was that they do a buddy uh, comedy that's uh, called "The Search for the Real Killers." Yeah, yeah. He uh, Norm was talking about golfing with OJ. <laughs> And somebody said, one of the funniest lines that I, I heard from there was somebody said, be careful, Norm, because OJ's relationships usually don't end up well. And then he said, I'm not saying he's, he ghosts people. Well, I guess I am, but not the way that people use it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which I thought was a really good line. But yeah, so check out OJ. And we, we've tweeted at him a couple times since we're talking about him. Uh, on Retro Late Fee, and check those episodes out if you want to. Uh, the news, 
Wait a second. Hold yeah. on. I just realized that the picture OJ uses is yeah. his mugshot. Is this really him? Well, the videos, the videos are definitely him. So yeah, but why, why would he use his mugshot as his uh, fucking Twitter picture? Hey guys, you remember when I when I was arrested for murder? <laughs> I have no idea. He is one of the the weirdest individuals you know, I've ever I, seen. I'm, I think I'm looking at the. I'm actually looking at a uh, imitation account. That's what I just realized. Oh, okay. This one joined in 2010. So hold on a second. Let me see if he's actually there. Verification check on OJ Simpson. I, no, still not verified, but not a picture of uh, his mugshot. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it takes a little while to get verified on Twitter, from what I remember. You ever see? Um, uh, it was it's like um, Sasha Baron Cohen's show called This Is America. Yes, yeah, I've seen that a few times. Have you Have you seen the episode where he's interviewing OJ? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, it's it's hilarious. He's like talking to him. He's like, "Oh, OJ," and he's explaining to like this woman, like by his head. He goes, "Ah, ah!" As he's making like a stabbing motion. <laughs> it, 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 it's really good. <laughs> I am gonna have to watch that. I, I and, he, and he like puts away the knives, you know, immediately. Like, oh no, I'm gonna put these away. <laughs> yeah, I've loved the the couple episodes that I've seen of. Of uh, this is America, it's hilarious. So yeah, I love all the characters he plays in there. They're great. Uh, but anyway, so the news today. Uh, there's a few pieces of news that I guess are somewhat interesting. You know, we do this for you. This is the only part of the show we do for you. Oh, uh, Mark, I just want to warn you ahead of time. How do you feel about playing uh, two two times in our new game? Two oh, different. Uh, yeah, I could do that. I could. I yeah, could well, get two guys. I have one that only has four clues, but if you guess this, I would I will probably never stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> oh, so in the news today, um, Jordan Peele is debunking a popular Us fan theory. Uh, a lot of people have fan theories when it comes to Jordan Peele's two movies. Uh, Get Out obviously had a ton of fan theories to it, and Us does well. Does as well. He makes. The, the movies that he makes, although I didn't like Us nearly as much as I liked Get Out, but one thing I really like about his filmmaking is it's layered and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of foreshadowing, illusion, stuff like that. He, he uses a lot of literary techniques in his filmmaking, which which I appreciate. But uh, just real quick, the uh, trailer for Us is so good that I don't think I want to actually watch the movie because it would ruin it. No, I agree. I think it looks like the best movie I've ever seen. It's like it looks very atmospherically creepy. It just looks really disturbing. And I've read like the spoilers. I know what happens, but the preview is so good for that movie. Like, I hope there's an Academy Award type ceremony for those who cut trailers. That person should definitely win. Absolutely, it's a fantastic trailer, and it is a really good movie. I just thought Get Out was was better, but no, you probably shouldn't see it. <laughs> so. Uh, the theory goes that uh, Jason, the young kid, can sort of see through the veil and isn't quite as tethered as the other the other characters are. And, you know, he observes uh, like they basically says you can see these moments where he's observing his mother and he's meant to be a little step ahead of us. The most clever of us that's sort of figuring out there's something more to Adele's story than what we see. So that was the theory that this guy can kind of see through everything that's going on. And Jordan Peele has said, no, that's not the case. Has he said anything about the theory that, um, I forget the young boy's name 
again. Um, but that it was actually he actually was like the uh, tethered version, or rather, he had been switched, just like the mother had. No, he he hasn't said anything about that, and that's also an interesting idea as well. I feel that a lot of times the theories people come up with are better than the actual plot. Like especially with like Game of Thrones, like. Mm-hmm. Theories like for the book and the movie, both or I'm sorry, the TV show, both of those are like they the people who who wrote the theories like are just so creative and they know so much about the world. It's like this is definitely better than the actual like ending we get from like the creator. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that a lot of times. I'll read fan theories, and one of my favorite movies is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I know this fan theory is not true at all, but there's a fan theory that the entire movie takes place inside Cameron's head. And, yeah, I've heard that. And I, like the guy, go, the guy goes through it in very intricate detail, pointing out all these different things. And I'm like, I know this isn't true, but god damn, this is a really fun theory. And and it would make it would make the movie better. I think if this was true. Yeah, for sure. even like the Stanley Kubrick uh, theory that like you know the uh, the Shining is like a, has a lot of hidden references to the Apollo moon landing. That yeah. is great. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, people have put a lot of work into into those things. Um, I guess if, if they, if you guys could write dialogue as well, you could be screenwriters. We need them. We need, uh, we need more, uh, original screenwriters out there. So, Oh, figure out how to write dialogue and, uh, make some movies. Cause most of the movies have, most of the movies that come out of pretty poor screenplays now. Speaking of poor screenplays, <laughs> Our next bit of news... Star Wars? No, no, no. Almost. Our next bit of news is Adam Sandler's new murder mystery has set a box office... Well, whatever, a Netflix record for original movies. Most watched original movie on Netflix is Murder Mystery starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, so they said that there were like the equivalent of like 30 million people who watched it this weekend. And I think... uh, the Game of Thrones finale only had nineteen like point one million, which is pretty insane. Because I'm I'm shocked to see that so many people would be interested in an Adam Sandler movie. Me too. I like his reputation has to precede him at this point. I wonder if it's been released like uh, worldwide as well. Maybe that would explain it. Like yeah, I mm-hmm. assume there's a lot of physical type comedy in there. You know, there's a lot of like people shitting at each other, farts. Exactly. That, like, you know how, like, Mr. Bean, I don't know if our younger listeners, if there are any, uh, know about Mr. Bean. He was, like, a wildly successful, like, character, you know, created by Rowan Atkinson. Mm-hmm. And he, like, the reason he, I think the reason he didn't talk, I could have, I believe I read this, is that uh, he thought it would be more marketable internationally. Because if you think about it, you know, if you don't have any speaking, it's it's almost universally funny, the stuff he does. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah, I guess maybe that's part of it. Uh, maybe part of it's the fact that Jennifer Aniston apparently needed a paycheck because she <laughs> agreed to do this movie. I know Wasn't they, she in another movie with him? Yeah, so I think it was called Just Go With It or something like that. Hey, we're, let's pretend we're married and we're on vacation. What's weird about uh, Adam Sandler is like he occasionally does make a good movie, mm-hmm. which is really like it's hard to tell. Like uh, The Do-Over, I think it was called, with uh, David Spade. I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, it wasn't like the greatest movie I've ever seen, but... It was tolerable. I, I've watched it a couple times, and uh, I think we all know that I uh, I liked uh, That's My Boy a lot, which yeah. I don't know why. It's not a great movie, but I, it's very rewatchable. Yeah, you know, I've come around on That's My Boy because the first time that we, I saw it was when we did the 
the audio commentary for it, and I rewatched it after that uh, just to watch it. And I don't know. I've, I've come to your to your point of view on it. It's it's kind of a guilty pleasure movie, I guess. It's not it's not a great film, but it's there are funny parts about. Yeah, there's it. a lot of there's a lot of funny parts in there that make it worth watching. And yep. I don't know if I like it legitimately or ironically, but I mean, it's I'll watch it. Like you know, especially when I drink heavily, that's my go to. Yeah, I've heard from a couple people that I whose opinions I respect that said this was their their review of Murder Mystery. That's not bad. You know, like it's not terrible. So it like a middling movie. So I might watch it at some point. Yeah, I, I, I feel that's that's how all those movies are. They're like, eh, it's okay. You know, yeah. it's not bad enough to make you hate it, but not good enough to make you like it. It's like I, I guess it was it was on. Uh, I don't think he's ever dipped as far as he did with Jack and Jill, though. Ugh. And is, isn't uh, isn't El Pacino in that movie? Yes. Wow, I, I I haven't seen it, but I imagine it's a low for both of them. Oh, absolutely. Ugh, I saw part terrible. of Sandy Wexler. It was okay. I, I know it got pretty decent reviews, but I didn't see the whole thing. It wasn't super, super interesting. Yeah, well, you know that's Adam Sandler now, but but still incredibly popular for some reason. I don't know why. But eh. so I'd, I'd love to see how Netflix comes by those numbers because there's something weird going on. There. Like they estimated that if uh, the viewership was like the typical nine dollar movie ticket, it would be like a hundred twenty million dollar opening. Yeah, that's. But that's the thing, though. You know, you, no one had to pay any extra money for this other than their Netflix subscription. Right. And who's to say what they identify as a view? Is it fifty percent of the movie? Is it five minutes? Is it the whole thing? Right. You know, lots of credits. I mean. They're not at some point. I think they're going to have to be much more transparent with their numbers. Like probably, the, especially with all the competing st- streaming services, mm-hmm. they're probably at like some like independent body that'll like you know view through the data and say like, oh, you actually only had you know fifteen million, which is still a lot, obviously. But right. I just find it very hard to believe that an Adam, Adam Sandler movie released in twenty nineteen on Netflix alone would uh, garner thirty million views. That's, that seems kind of high. Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe a lot of people were high, and that's why they clicked on it. I don't know, but the last bit of news that I have today is that one of those kids from Stranger Things, the one with no front teeth, or he's got front teeth now, but he didn't, I don't know, whatever, that kid, he's, uh, apparently he thinks it's 2005, because he's doing a prank show, and the prank show that he's doing sounds absolutely hilarious, it's about, or it's for people who are looking for work. (laughs) So what they do is they pretend that they've got them, uh, you know, a part-time job. They they go in and start working, and they make it like the the job from hell. That's the uh, the premise of this prank show. So poor people that are looking for work, uh, you know, and made to feel miserable. Sounds like a laugh riot. See, I'm a little unsure as to whether this is as cruel as everybody is saying. Because the fact that it's a part-time job, I wonder if it's like a temporary, like one-day job, you know, sort of thing. If that's the case, and I, I think it's perfectly excusable. Yeah, and my guess is they they're going to give money. That that's my well, guess. Well, yeah, is I'm sure they will. But I'm saying the the whole description is sound. I mean, first of all, part-time job. It's not. I, I don't think the person's relying on this to be like their full-time thing. I mean, I wonder if they. I mean, if they think like it's like oh, 20, I mean, that's you know, that's kind of cruel. Obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. not everyone's a actor from the age of like 13 or whatever. Right. I mean, my guess is, and I think Netflix is probably just going to let this boil for a bit to, you know, get some free press. Mm-hmm. 
my guess is that you'll you'll ultimately find out that they are only contracted for like maybe a week's work or so, and Netflix probably pays them out. Or even if that's not the case, they eventually will just to combat the bad press. Right? I, I really don't think this is as cruel as people. I'm guessing at least that it won't be as cruel as people think it was because Netflix has to have people in place that will recognize the reaction from a show that has the premise that everybody thinks it has. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine they're that stupid. I mean, they seem to be a pretty shrewd, you know, company. I can't imagine they're like, oh, this this will make sense. Right. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's probably when I first saw the the headline. I think it was maybe a Washington Post headline or I don't know something like that. But Bossip. Yeah, it was it was the Bossip headline. But they uh, they said that um, it was like oh you know they, they you could tell that they were very against this. And then I read the the actual story about it, and I was like oh this is not this isn't this doesn't sound quite as bad as they make it they make it seem so i i still i still think it's not the best idea in the world well a, a prank show in 2019 anyway is probably not the best idea in the world unless uh jamie kennedy's doing it but um but i don't know we'll see uh we'll see what happens but yeah i kind of i kind of side with you where I, i'll wait and see but it's well I'm probably not to be honest i'll probably never watch it but um, I'm guessing that it's not going to be as bad as everyone seems to think it is. Yeah, that's my guess, but it could be wrong. Oh, all right. So, educating Mike for today. Mike, I uh, I have found this, and I've seen this movie. I, a lot of times, you know, I haven't seen the movie either when we're talking about it, because I've seen a lot of terrible movies, but I don't want to watch, you know, a ton of them. Um but this one I actually have seen. It used to be on YouTube. I don't know if it still is. But it is called Birdemic Shock and Terror. Uh, have you heard of this movie, Mike? I have not. It's one of those kind of legendary bad movies. And supposedly it was. it's supposed to be made to be bad. But I, I don't think it's made to be bad in any way. I think this guy is just inept. It's uh, described as an independent romantic horror film uh, written, directed, and produced by James Wynn and starring Alan Baugh and Whitney Moore. Wait, that name sounds familiar. James Wynn? Mm-hmm. You're having a Steve Wynn? Uh, no, he's not related to Steve Wynn. Spelled differently. It's uh, the Vietnamese. W-I-N-N? Yeah, it's, oh, N-G-U-I-N. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. It's the Vietnamese Wynn. Um, but yeah, so far, all I can see that he's known for is Birdemic and Birdemic 2. <laughs> but anyway, so Rod, played by uh, by Alan Baugh, is a young software salesman living in living a successful life in Silicon Valley. And it's funny too because at the beginning, it looks like the it looks like the receptionist's uh, area of a dentist's office that's supposed to be his. His, you know, work area where a bunch of other people are there, but there's only like two desks, but there's a bunch of other people in there. And he he says, well, how, he says something like, uh, OK, oh, oh, you want uh, he's trying to sell somebody something. He's like, oh, you want, uh, you know, this uh, this order. OK, great. Hey, guys, this is this is exactly how he says it, too. Hey, guys, I just made the big sale and everyone starts cheering and high fives them. And he says, you know, the guy says, his boss says he's going to give him a, like a Lamborghini, I think, or something like that for for making this sale. 
Um, it's the acting and the effects are absolutely terrible. But he meets up with an old classmate, an aspiring fashion model, Natalie, and begins dating her. They go on one date where they walk to a restaurant and then they talk about. I think they went. I think they go to see uh, an inconvenient truth. Is is the movie they go to see and they talk about it afterwards? It is hilarious. The, as you'll find out, there's a like a global warming kind of subplot to this film. Uh, as things go on, you see they uh, they go to this this crummy motel room. This guy that's supposed to be a millionaire, but he takes her to like a motel six to have sex. Uh, they wake up and they find that the town is under attack from eagles and vultures, and the birds spit acid. <laughs> And explode into flames as soon as they strike the ground. It looks like the effects were made in MS Paint. I mean, it's really that bad. Um, but anyway, so they were—they've been mutated due to uh, uh, global warming. That's why I don't know exactly how global warming would mutate birds to spit acid and you know burst into flames upon hitting the ground. But that's the explanation. So it would take a while to happen mutate. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, Rod and Natalie escape the motel, and they join up with an ex-Marine named Ramsey and his girlfriend, Becky. Uh, as they leave town, they rescue two young children, Susan and Tony, whose parents have been killed by the birds. There's there's a scene, too, where they take out these very clearly fake guns, and it looks like they're playing duck hunt with how fake these birds look. And they're just standing in front of a school bus that's... Com- like clearly green screened behind them. It, it, this movie is just fucking, it's a, it's a nightmare. Uh, but anyway, so they, they end up, uh, I think Ramsey and, and his girlfriend get killed. Uh, they, Natalie and Rod end up taking the kids. They meet, uh, a tree hugger quote unquote named Tom Hill, who talks about to them about the dangers of global warming. And, uh, and after escaping a forest fire, they, the, they ult- they settle on a small beach uh, where Rod fishes for dinner. As they prepare to eat, they are attacked by the birds. But then doves appear. <laughs> doves just appear out of nowhere, and all the birds leave in peace. Uh, and they the film ends with them watching the birds like flying towards the horizon. It's it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Um. So, the parents' guide for Birdemic. Uh, let me see. Yeah, let me make sure I'm on the right one because I've got other parents' guide open for our game. Um, one character remarks, A day without sex is a day wasted, and wishes a friend luck in convincing his girlfriend to have intercourse, who then chides him for his views on relationships. Uh, a man's neck is sliced by a swooping bird. Looks almost intentionally fake. <laughs> I love when the uh, when the parents guide just uh, completely buries a film. Great. Corpses are shown with blood effects from a Halloween makeup kit. <laughs> These wounds only look asterisks somewhat realistic. Uh, profanity. An existing profanity review here is one of the worst ever written, totally worthy of this movie. 
Several uses of feces, along with other milder profanities, fornicate is used once, possibly twice. You, you don't know? As one is used in an exasperated sigh, and, oh, and is hard to make out. Neither uses are in a sexual manner. Frightening and intense scenes. Very young children, three to six, may be frightened by the loud, loud and high-pitched shrieks of the attacking birds and the bloody makeup on corpses. <laughs> children over ten years old will probably notice the effects in the movie are very poor quality and probably won't be too moved by character deaths. So if you're ten or over, uh, <laughs> it's probably not going to fool you. Uh, the birds in one scene are seen bombing a town, but it's so fake and so laughable. Two children are briefly shown lamenting the death of their parents from the bird attacks, but in the next scene, and for the rest of the movie, they act as if the previous scene never happened. <laughs> oh, so that is Birdemic, Shock and Terror. Um, go out and see it. It's, uh, I think it's still available on, on YouTube and it's, it's worth, you know, at least fast forwarding a little bit through it's, it, it's terrible, but somewhat worth it. Oh, Mike, you gonna go check out Birdemic? No, maybe, uh, Birdemic 2 though. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see what happened to those doves. Um... So, now, we will move on to our segments, Keeping Current with Mike. Uh, Mike, we are frantically going through as many of these online gossipy type shows or, you know, news magazines, whatever you want to call them. Where are we going to this week? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm running out of options, in all honesty. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, I, this this website used to be called something else, so like the rapper maybe, W R A P B R. But now it's called Two Fab. <laughs> Are you familiar with Two Fab Mark? Uh, T O O, not T W O, of course. No, I've I've never heard of Two Fab. Well, you're in for a treat. All right, let's lay it on me. I realize uh, that the key to the segment is not to do them straight in order. I'm just going to cherry pick the ones that I think are most interesting. Okay. So uh, here we go. I got Google ready. All right. This first one is Erica snaps on Kyle and Teddy during boozy dinner. No idea. It says Real House, R-H-O-B-H, which I think by now I've learned is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is my guess. Okay. Let's see. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, Yeah, I don't know who any of these people are. And I've never watched any of the Real Housewives shows, and so I haven't watched Beverly Hills. Let's see. Uh, oh, yes. R-H-O-B-H is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, an American reality television series that premiered on October 14th, 2010 on Bravo. Uh, let's see. Jeez, current... 2010? Yeah. It's been out for nine years. Why? I have no idea. Season one through four was... Kyle Richards, that's a girl. Um, Adrian Maloof, I've heard of Maloof. That's uh, they they own the um, Palms Casino. Interesting. Kim Richards, who was a former child actress and TV personality. Lisa, really? Who like would I know it or no? Let's see. She looks somewhat familiar. So let's see what she was on. 
Um, uh, the nanny. Oh, wow. Because this is going back. The nanny and the professor. Uh, let's see. She was in several incarnations of nanny and the professor. Um, police story from 1974. Little House in the Prairie. That's where I recognize her from. She was on an episode of Little House in the Prairie. Oh, just one episode? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, she was on Chips. Jeez. Let's see. Was she a series? Oh, she was a series. Well, everyone knows uh, no one made money during the 70s in TV, especially if you were a child actor. So uh, I don't know how she's on the show. She was on the show uh, Hello, Larry with McLean Stevenson after uh, the MASH. She was a regular on that. She also played Ruthie Adler on three episodes of Different Strokes. Again, I don't know how a child actress would have any money. Return from Witch Mountain. She was in that. It just says, because like all the television shows, it says how many episodes she was in and everything. For this, it says major film. (laughs) Apparently, Return from Witch Mountain is a major film. I guess. Not, uh, but yeah, Nanny and the Professor, when she was a little girl, that's what uh, she's famous for. Um, Sure. So yeah, this lady snaps on... Kyle, who might be a woman, I don't know, and Teddy, which also might be a woman. Everybody in this picture is a woman. Well, I'm guessing Kyle is then Kyle Egon Richards, an American actress and socialite, television personality, memoirist, and philanthropist. Yeah, I don't care. She was also on Little House on the Prairie. What the fuck? Jeez. Was she Nellie Olson? Let's see. Uh, I will tell you in one second. That would be hilarious if she was. Let's see. Little House on the Prairie. She was um, Alicia Sanderson Edwards Samantha. I guess Samantha was her character name? I guess. I don't know. She was in 19 episodes of Little House on the Prairie. Jeez, that's a lot. I probably would recognize her. I watch that show a lot. Yeah, don't know who she is. But I'm guessing that's who, who... What are the other names? Erica? Erica, Kyle, and Teddy. Teddy. So where is Teddy? Um, hmm, I don't know. Erica seems like it's probably Erica Girardi, known professionally as Erica Jane, an American singer and actress. Her debut single, Roller Coaster, topped the U.S. Billboard Dance Club charts in 19, or 2007. Okay. Never heard of her. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already over the story. It's just dumb. I don't care about the people. I don't care if they drink, whatever. Yeah, I don't care either. All right, this is the sixth story. Maybe you can help me with. I know part. I, I know a little bit about this. Okay. Bella Thorne lashes out at Whoopi for claiming nude photo leak was her own fault. Okay, now, so I've heard the name Bella Thorne. I have no idea who this is. I know Whoopi is almost certainly Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I don't know of any other <laughs> Whoopies in the entertainment uh, business. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know uh, what other Whoopies would be out there. I do know who Bella is that Thorne like is. Fucking? What? Whoopi is that like fucking? Right, exactly. Bella Thorne was in a TV show that my oldest daughter used to watch called Shake It Up. Yeah, that's what it's called, Shake It Up. She's a redheaded actress. I think she's been in other things since then. I mean, this would have been a. This was when Ava, my oldest, was probably seven, maybe, or, or whatever. So this was a, a few years ago. Um,. Let me see. Let me look her up. Uh, to, to shake it up. Um, hmm. 
She was in an episode of Big Love. That's interesting. I used to watch that show, but I stopped watching it after a while. So uh, I guess I missed when she was on it. Let's see. Oh, there it is. 2010 to 2013, she was in Shake It Up as one of the... It was her and uh, the. she was in the... Um, I think her name is Zendaya. She was in um, that P.T. Barnum, uh, He Didn't Really Murder Elephants movie. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The, the Showman? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was those two in that show. Um, and it looks like she's, it looks like she's actually worked a lot since then. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I looked at the pictures cause I, you know, who doesn't want to see a uh, nude breast. Right. They're okay. I, yeah, I haven't seen, I don't know why. I didn't know there was a nude uh, leak. I haven't seen. I think like someone, someone like threatened a hacker or something. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I'll just post myself, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I assume in a way it's her own fault. Is it unpopular as it is to say? I mean, if you're using stuff on the internet, use very basic security protocols and you won't have any new leaks at all. I have a password that's, uh, you know, maybe not like your name or your birthday or something. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And here's the thing. I mean, I guess people should be allowed to have their own privacy and, oh, sure. and yeah, all I, that I stuff. Agree with that. But I just be smart. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you taking nude pictures of yourself on your phone? I just like. I mean, you can do it obviously if you want to, but you have. to. I go to glamour shots for that personally. <laughs> right. You have to accept the responsibilities for it. I guess. Like you're you're rich. Buy a digital camera or or, or something like. That can't be hacked into. That's not connected to the internet. I mean, that's my advice. Now, actually, neither of us are saying that it's her fault because no. you know no one should have their privacy violated. But I mean, I, in a way, you sh- I'm sure this is what Whoopi is saying that you need to take extra precautions because of your you know status or you know your celebrity, whatever it is. I mean, you know, people are going to be more likely trying to get your new. Yeah, I wish it wasn't the case, but. You know, it, it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah, she, okay, so she, she. I'm looking at them right now. Um, not bad, like you said. Apparently she has a nipple piercing. Uh, that's cool. And this is on her Twitter account? So I guess Twitter's just cool with this? <laughs> yeah, you can you can uh, find a nude, Twitter does not seem to mind as long as you post your own nudes. That is interesting to me. But there was uh, a thing called like free the nipple or something a few years ago where like a lot of women would just like take a, a topless photos of themselves. And I'm like, yeah, feminism. <laughs> so, uh, I kind of respect the shit out of her for this. Like I never really had, um, I never really had an opinion on her one way or the other. Cause like I said, I, my daughter watched that show and I think I might've watched five minutes of it every once in a while, but it's not, I didn't watch it with her. I just kind of looked at it for a minute to make sure it wasn't, Something, you know, horrible that she shouldn't be watching. But she posted the entire, well, I don't know if this is the entire, but she posted the chain of things where he send whoever this is, is sending her, her nude pictures through, you know, text messaging and saying, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, I'm going to post these if you don't get, you know, I got all these videos, I'm going to post these if you don't give me money and stuff. And basically, uh, her response is just like, uh, no, you know, go fuck yourself. I'm not right. doing and it. 
I hope the person who did this is, you know, tracked down and, you know, prosecuted to the full extent of the law because Absolutely. that's just a fucking thing to do in general. But I mean, basic, basic internet. I mean, the internet's been around for a good, like, uh, 26 years, maybe mm-hmm. now. Yep. That people have like been able to easily go online with like AOL and Prodigy and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should, I mean, you, basic security precautions is all. Yeah, uh, women out there, because this doesn't seem to be a problem with men, but uh, women out there, stay safe and uh, use security precautions. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know exactly what Whoopi Goldberg said, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it's quote her fault. Um, yeah, I really Whoopi Goldberg seems to really speak from the heart a lot of times. She says stuff mm-hmm. that's controversial, even if you know she doesn't, you know, even if it's detrimental to her. I think she like vocally supported Bill Cosby and may even still do so. I mean, that's not the opinion I would take, but I respect the fact that she'll say her own opinion without being, you know, yep. compromised or micromanaged or focus grouped into having the correct opinion. Absolutely, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and I like Whoopi. Um, so, and, and why did she not make more movies? She's an amazing actress. She is. She's so good. Such a good actress. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. One last story here. Um, teenager jailed after racist Meghan Markle post. Now, I know who this uh, Meghan Markle is like married to like the King of England or something or his brother or I don't know. Something. Yeah. the She's the one that's married to the brother, I think. I think she had a baby or she's going to have a baby. I'm not really yeah, I she might might already been born. Not sure. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I I mean I think it goes without saying that uh, racism is horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean to be jailed after like a post, I assume it's on Twitter or Facebook. That's ridiculous. Agreed. I absolutely agree. I mean, I I, I obviously don't condone such horrible shit. I mean, it's like you're a backward, you know. Probably an idiot, you know. I mean, at, at best, you're an idiot. At worst, you're just like a malevolent personality that, you know, probably should be put to death to not, you know, infect mm-hmm. other, uh, you know, either easily like impressionable or just other like idiots out there. Yeah. But I mean, to jail somebody after a post like that, I, I didn't see the details. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not pleasant, but jail time? I mean, you should be able to say whatever you want without being jailed. Obviously, the exception and a, a threat or something like that, you know, you can't threaten somebody. Right. And then, you know, I mean, that's assault in a sense. Yeah. I mean, just to make a racist post referencing someone, I mean, that's, no, that's, that's, that I, I hope that wouldn't happen in America, but I'm not surprised if it does. Yeah. I think she's black, right? Or she's, she's half black or something? I think she's like, yeah, I think she's like half uh, black. So I guess that's, uh, I would assume that's, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the story, so I don't know. But I, I would assume that's where the, the racism is from, is to the fact that she is uh, a biracial person. Um, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, I, I think you and I are in lockstep. We don't always agree politically, I'm sure. But I think you and I are in lockstep when it comes to stuff like this. Because both of us, I know, think that racism is dumb and stupid and, and you know, things that people shouldn't, uh, shouldn't do. But I think both of us also, you know, believe and agree with each other in the fact that freedom of speech means also defending speech you don't like. Speech that isn't popular. Oh, sure. Speech that, you know, doesn't reflect your own personal beliefs. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much all speech I hear is contrary to my personal beliefs. I, right. I almost never hear anyone that agrees with me. I mean, what's the difference between not liking the same band I like to not liking, you know, I, I guess, multicultural, you know, situations? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the 
difference. I mean, obviously, everyone who is contrary to me is wrong. But I mean, what does it matter if they're wrong about the favorite, the best band out there? I mean, or, I mean, it's it's speech, you know. And punishing somebody for this is that really that's just going to affirm their own beliefs. Like, oh mm-hmm. well, it's me against them now. I'm going to go, you know, go to Sweden and uh, you know, kill a bunch of kids on an island, or right. I'm going to blow up a uh, you know a federal building in Oklahoma. I mean, not that I'm saying you know, I mean. I'm not saying that this directly leads to terrorist acts like that, but I mean, at the same time, it's not helping. I mean, p- these people should be left in the wind to, you know, confront their own beliefs and have other people talk to them and maybe they'll, uh, you know, actually learn something. Putting them in jail is only like just putting them up against a wall to really make them, I mean, what, they're going to uh, join a white supremacist gang in prison and that's going to help? Right, exactly. And it, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. The, the People that do this, I would rather that people post stuff like this so you know so you know what they really think you know yeah, i want to know who the idiots are exactly. i don't want them to be hidden you know i don't want them to be taken i mean i, I want to if you believe something that i don't believe let me know i mean i'm fine with it i don't have to agree with everything every person says or yeah exactly i mean there you know there are like you said if if nazis are marching through the center of a town saying they want to take over America, kill everyone that's there, and stuff like that, you know, and they're armed or whatever. That's that's one thing. That's a situation that you need to take seriously. But I'll give a really good example. The, um, the what is a Westboro Baptist Church that protested at um, servicemen who died's funeral, saying that, you know, they died because America supports homosexuality, God hates fags, and all this stuff. I think those people are some of the most reprehensible human beings on the planet, but I support their I support their First Amendment right to, you know, to be on public property, you know, because they're not on, they do it, they always do it on public property, not private property, to be on public property with those signs. I don't agree with you, but what am I going to do? If I take that right away from you, then what's to stop the government from taking my rights away from me? It's, you know, you can't, that's a slippery slope. You can't go down that, that path. Exactly. Uh, well, that was, <laughs> that was a very funny segment of uh, keeping current with Mike. Um, so now we will move on to the parent's guide. Uh, I pulled up two. I've got two now to do. Um so I'll go first this time because you went first last time, and uh, we'll uh, we will um, see what we see here. Uh, for those of you that don't that don't know, or you know, so since since the segment is somewhat new, this is the game where Mike and I uh, go back and forth reading the parents guide, uh, the most generic things we can find on the parents guide, and see if the other one can guess the movie. Uh, so under. Under sex and nudity, uh, extremely graphic sexual references. Um, I'm going to guess the running man. Nope. A brief implied sexual encounter. Very mild. A brief implied sexual encounter. Very mild. Um, hmm. Implied. So I will say it is... 16 Candles. No. Okay. Uh, Still in Sex and Nudity. In a deleted scene, two women kiss. Hmm. Mallrats. Nope. 
A gun is shown, but not used. A woman is beaten. This is comedic. <laughs> a gun is shown, but not used, and a woman is beaten. This is comedic. Yes, and believe me, when you when you discover the title of this movie, you will go insane. Okay. Um. Hmm. Woman is beaten in a comedic way. And a gun is shown, but not used. Um, hmm. uh, There's a lot of hilarious wife-beating uh, you know, scenes you have to kind of parse out here. Right. Um, dogma? Uh, no. All right. Uh, so this is under profanity. Uh, I'm going to give you both of the ones under profanity because the first one's really short. Three uses of retard. 248 uses of fuck, and lots of uses of words shit and ass. Also, lots of slang words and proper words for female and male genitals and chests, such as boobs, pussy, dick. Pulp Fiction? No. <laughs> All right, I'm almost out of clues here, so I don't know what we do when we, when we run out, but I have like two more. Is this the one that just has four? Okay. There's like five, yeah. All right. At least five uses of "Oh my God" as exclamations. Use of trailer trash and brown noser as description. Trailer trash. Oh, is it? Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Nope. Damn it. Um. Okay. This one I think might give it to you. A man in a kid's character costume on a movie set. Gets shot by a cop in the chest and falls off. Uh, Jason Bob Strike Back. Yep, <laughs> that's correct. When you said mall rats, I, I it took uh, everything I had to not say, "Oh, you're so close." <laughs> All right, let, well, let's finish out this one and then we'll move on to the next one. All right, many people are shown briefly drinking and smoking in the background. That's the last clue I have. Let me double check, but I think that's all I have. Oh. Let's see. Okay, so let's review. People are shown drinking and smoking in the background. There's a gun shown, but it's never used. A woman gets beat up, and it's supposed to be comedic, apparently. Um, and I can't remember the other clue. Um, hmm. It's like profanity and stuff. Shit, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Here's another clue. This movie... Is rated PG. PG? And it came out in 2003. 2003 PG movie. Fuck, PG. Um, hmm. It's beaten up. Uh, fuck, I don't know, Cop and a Half? <laughs> well, that's way before 2003. Yeah. Here's another big clue. You saw this movie all by yourself. Oh man. Um hmm. all by myself. Um Hmm. Oh, I think uh is there a gun in that movie? I think I saw no, because there would there would be more well, maybe. Amer- American Pie two? Based off a popular Nickelodeon series. Oh, Agent Cody Banks? The Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, <laughs> Is there a gun in that movie? That's what I've never... I am an adult man. I've never seen it. <laughs> I think... No, I saw it with Becky. 
Sure. No, I, I did. I really did. She went to the movie theater with me. Um, oh, was it was it her idea? No, but she did go to the movie theater. I don't remember a gun in that movie. It's comedic when a woman gets beat up. Oh, it's been too long. The only time I've seen I saw the movie. I know you won't believe this, but the only time I saw the movie was that one time in the theater. So I don't remember. Um, but yeah, there was also one other guy in the. <laughs> there was also one other guy just by himself in the movie theater, and uh, I don't know. I started to feel creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, the Lizzie McGuire movie. That was a good one for sure. <laughs> do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, yeah, you can go first. Right, I'm going to drop a major clue on this one. Mm-hmm. You and I saw this movie together in the theater. Okay. The first, first clue is that we see a man's buttocks for a few seconds in a non-sexual context. Well, that's got to be Mallrats. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't think we saw Mallrats together. No, in we the didn't. Theater. Not in the theater, no. Um, all right, let's see. I gotta find a good one. Um, can't do that one. Um, a man spits his beverage on the chest and lap of a woman sitting next to him. Beer fest? No. All right, go ahead. A man takes a hit from a bong in front of two police officers during a questioning. Oh, man. This should give it to me, I would think. Um, Hit from a bong. Police during questioning. Uh, Bad Boys? Uh, No, I don't think we saw that together in the theaters. I thought we did. Um, I think it was like Bad Boys 2. Yeah, maybe Bad Boys too. Yeah, it could have been. Um, okay. A lot of sexual references and brief nudity. Buttocks and breasts. Super Troopers? No. Hmm. I think I'm out of ones that won't let you absolutely get it, but... <laughs> A man tries to smoke marijuana through a shotgun barrel in a brief flashback. Shotgun barrel. Hmm. And we saw this in the theater together. Yep. Wow, okay, so there's lots of drug stuff going on. Um, hmm. Through a shotgun barrel. I feel like I should know this. Um, I also feel like you should. Let's see. Being questioned by cops. Shotgun barrel. Man's buttocks in a non-sexual manner. Um, hmm. Had to come out a while ago if we saw it in the theater together, too. Um... I don't see I'm, every every movie that I can think of. I'm like, no, we didn't see that in the theater together. Uh, um, damn it. Um, hmm. Oh, did we see that together in the theater? Maybe. 
Scary movie? No. Okay. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna try to give you one more that'll be hard, uh, and then then I'm out of ones. That there's a lot on here too, by the way. Sure. Um. Okay. The main character is almost always seen drinking alcohol. Is this Ocean's Eleven? No. Ocean's Twelve. No, none of the Ocean's movies. <laughs> oh wait, it's Ocean's Eight. No, I'm just joking. Uh. All right, this should uh, definitely uh, be more helpful for you. A suspect fleeing from an officer stabs another officer in the neck with a drug syringe. He ODs as a reason. Officer, an officer fleeing, or no, a suspect fleeing from an officer stabs another officer in the neck with a drug syringe, and he ODs. Oh, um, training day? Nope. Damn it. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, <laughs> a grandma in an old timey bathing suit promises to ride uh, a that's my boy. like a Model T Ford. <laughs> yep, that's right. All right, hey, Dick. Give me one more and, uh, and we'll see if I can get it. A main character furiously beats suspects in two scenes. We see their very bloody faces afterwards in one of them. The other one is more. The other one is what? More brief. Hmm. Oh, damn it. Okay, so it's about police, and there's drugs, and we saw it together in the movie theater. And we sure did. Oh, damn. Hmm. God, I I cannot think of this. Give me one more. Give me give me one more like obvious one. I'll give you a clue that's not on here. It's set in Detroit. It's set in Detroit. Um Hmm. Set in Detroit. Okay, what movies are set in Detroit? Um. Oh, oh, I know what it is. Wait, th- there's a scene in that movie where he he's shown trying to. I don't remember that. Uh, Eight Mile. No. Oh. Fuck. The star of the movie is Ray Liotta. Oh, wait a second. I didn't see this movie. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no wonder I can't fucking... So, what the hell was that movie called that I walked out on? You were there with me in the theater. You saw it. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, give me a second. <laughs> uh, what was it called? Uh, you may have missed something in it. Yeah, I missed... Uh, I missed a lot of the movie. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so that must have been. Uh, shit. What was it called? Um, hmm. Uh, Mark, don't be such a. Narc. Narc. All right. Well, I got it. 
even though I've never <laughs> seen the movie. You were there with me in the theater. Uh, I was there with you. I think I think I saw the um, the uh, Amistad <laughs> the Amistad uh, uh, you know movie trivia thing with you. <laughs> oh God, that is hilarious. Uh, real quick before we end this segment, I um I uh I was looking up like funny IMDb stuff, parents guide stuff. Apparently there I don't know if they allow people to do this anymore, but there was a rash of people uh, just uploading or you know putting in whatever they wanted <laughs> for the parents guide and there's always uh, like when you see one there's all, it always says uh, the contents of this page were created directly by users and has not been screened or verified by IMDb staff. So once they see this stuff obviously they get rid of it. But there's people took some screenshots of things. So Here's uh, one for the parents' guide for Kalu. Are you familiar with uh, the Caillou. Ca- yeah Caillou, the Caillou uh, TV show? Unfortunately, I I was quite familiar with it for a while. My one of my daughters was really into the show, and it's the worst show I've ever. So, sex and nudity. Some scenes of Caillou taking baths and dressing himself. Uh, in later episodes, Caillou goes insane and rapes his mother and sister repeatedly. <laughs> The father repeatedly. The father catches them quite often and does nothing to stop it, occasionally joining them. <laughs> Violence and gore. Caillou often gets into physical fights with his sister. In one episode, Caillou finds a dead bird. That's true. Profanity. Caillou says swear words such as fuck, ass, motherfucker, shit, gay, and faggot throughout every episode. <laughs> he does. Drugs and alcohol. It just says... Caillou smokes crack. (laughs) Frightening and intense scenes. Parents everywhere should know that this show teaches very bad behavior. Caillou whines, cries, throws tantrum, and abuses his little sister. His parents spoil him, and they don't really punish Caillou that much. His behavior is selfish, and although he usually learns his lesson by the end of the episode, it has little to do or it has little impact on his behavior in future episodes. Unless you want your kids emulating Caillou and throwing huge tantrums like him, make sure they don't see this. <laughs> and then underneath that, in one episode. Caillou imagines monsters under his bed. <laughs> yeah, that that show is really bad. Like it's like it is very like he's the main character is whiny and mm-hmm. it's just it's, wow, it's bad. And then he smokes crack. Yeah, that's true. The uh, the other one that's on here that's pretty funny is Air Bud Three. Sex and nudity during opening credits. A neighbor is seen nude with his erect penis through through the bathroom window. What? Many of the puppies have erect penises throughout. Probably do. The mother character at one point flashes her breasts at her sons to show them how two is always better than one. What? That was just inspired. <laughs> Little black boy has sex with Air Bud in a deleted scene. Uh, <laughs> Violence and gore. The father character snaps Air Bud's neck at the end of the movie. <laughs> by Michael Vick. Footage of the Holocaust periodically are shown in an attempt to show who Airbud's grandpa- grandparents <laughs> were. Parentheses Adolf Hitler's dogs. <laughs> see, again, see again, a user theory makes a movie better. 
<laughs> An elderly woman gets hit by a car. Blood sprays on the whole soccer team as they are eating outside of a Burger King. <laughs> I, I think that was true. I, I like to think it is. Profanity. The dad calls his daughter a chicken fucking bitch. <laughs> Air Bud is taught how to say ball sucking N-word. Jeez. And then alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Air Bud smokes marijuana. Yeah, that makes sense. He's an athlete. Yep. <laughs> oh, so that is uh, that's our game for the week. Two two inspired choices, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so now we will move on to our main topic, which is Good Omens episode three. Gooder Omens. Yeah, Mike. What did uh, what did you think of this episode? I like this episode. It was fun. Um, I kind of wish the opening part had like been the entire episode, where they're just like kind of like going through different uh, periods of history, and like mm-hmm. you know they just keep encountering each other. Yeah, that was a really cool way to open the uh, to open the show. I thought where, like you said, they go through. You know, they start back basically at the beginning, and then they just go throughout history, and they keep encountering each other. And you really, it's a really fun. An interesting way to see how their relationship developed over the years. Yeah, it's like it's like just like a really good like buddy comedy going on at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like we see them uh, at the very beginning. We see them like in the I think it's fourteen hundreds where they kind of come to an agreement. Like, hey, you know, no one's really checking on us. Let's just I'll vouch for you, you vouch for me, and we'll do whatever we yep. want. And it works perfectly because uh, Crowley is one hundred percent correct. No one cares. Mm-hmm. I mean, any you know the heaven or the hell, no one there is keeping count of them. No, yeah, they're not at all. And uh, I, I like the I like the point of view of that God is God exists and all this stuff exists, but they just don't care at all. <laughs> and that's why all this like all this terrible stuff happens. And human beings are by their nature just violent. Maybe because he yeah. gave the flaming sword to them. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> But, um, yeah, like, I really liked this. And, you know, Carol uh, was watching it with me. And she, at one point, she was like, are they, like, are they in love? Um, I think they might be maybe leaning towards that. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely implied. I've I've watched further in the series than you have. And there's definitely, you know, a lot of people think that it's just like a romantic story. I mean, I I don't know. I've never really seen enough evidence for that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, maybe when I finally finish it, maybe I'll, in fact, see that as well. Um, and I, one thing I'm going to kind of skip towards the end, I guess a little bit, but one thing that I thought was like really interesting and funny is in the previous episode of uh, both Crowley and, uh, a, a, a say that they have a, a network of human beings that they work with and they'll both contact the, their network and see if they can help track down the, the antichrist. And we find we find at the end of this episode that the the network that they have is both both of them is Michael McKeon, right? <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, um, that was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed this episode a lot. I really liked uh, the opening, like you said. I liked it. It's hard to call it an opening because it was about half the episode. Yeah, it was like thirty minutes or so. Yeah. And they they do like I think I'm trying to remember when it started. I think it was maybe 
the 1800s or something like that, where... Oh, no, it starts way before that, because at one point they're at the crucifixion. No, no, I mean when Crowley asks Aziraphale for holy water. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was thinking about the uh, the beginning of the, uh, you know, the whole flashbacks. Yeah, I think they, um, I think he, he, that's when he first starts asking him about it, and then he first comes into contact with Michael McKeon's character in the 60s uh, when he hires hires him and a couple other people to steal some holy water from a church, and Aziraphale finally just relents and gives him some. But you can tell he's genuinely scared for him because he's like, you know, this will destroy you if you you touch it. And, you know, like he didn't want him to have it because of that because he really cares about him. And you can see how Crowley's not very good at being a demon. (laughs) And Aziraphale's not very good at being a human being. They're both not as good or as bad as you would expect an angel or a demon to be. But yeah, as you pointed out, it starts like right at the beginning. God's like, you know, Aziraphale, what did you do with the flaming sword I gave you? And he's like, oh, I I, I put it around here somewhere, I thought, you know. And um, yeah, they're at the crucifixion, crucifixion of Jesus Christ and... I thought it was that that scene was very funny to me too, where, you know, Aziraphale says to Crowley, "Did you ever talk to him?" And he said, "Oh yeah, you know, I uh, I took him around to all the what's he say, all the seven continents or something like that to see the world." And he's like, "Why would you do that?" And he's like, "Oh, he's the son of a carpenter, you know, in the, <laughs> in the Middle East, you know, his travel options are limited." Right. <laughs> and um, he says, "What did he do?" To make people so mad, anyway. <laughs> and Aziraphale says he told people to be good to each other, and Crowley's like, "Oh yeah, that'll do it." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old, uh, an old George Carlin joke about like a, uh, you know, about Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr., um, Malcolm X. How like you know they tried to you know, and I think Jesus is in the joke as well. Like how they tried to save the world, and of course we did what we had to do. We killed them. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so you know that that whole. That whole sequence I thought was was excellent, and you know, like I said before, just it they they really did the job of building those characters and building that relationship over time uh, with those you know with those like incremental steps and showing. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. Go ahead. A lot of funny sequences in that, like during the French Revolution. Uh, mm-hmm. We found out that Aziraphale kind of like just like teleported over to a. France to get a uh, what was it a uh, a decent breakfast? Yeah, crepe or uh, crepes. Crepes, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, brioche. <laughs> yeah, and then they like they basically like you know arrested him and they were about to execute him and like there's a lot of references like you know them both doing miracles that you know mm-hmm. maybe a little more than they should have. We kind of get the idea that they would be like kind of more you know laid back like yeah I'll just do a miracle to get coffee instead of go out to get it. Mm-hmm. And so you know in a nice little twist, uh, Aziraphale turns the. Uh, Executor who has bragged about doing 999 executions so far into uh, a nobleman himself. So he's arrested and Aziraphale is left, you know, to his own devices. And he and uh, Crowley go and get, you know, yeah. And uh, it's funny because, you know, you can tell that, and maybe this is part of how their relationship builds, but Crowley saves Aziraphale uh, several times during uh, World War II as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Zero kind of just like, kind of bumbles into things, and Crowley, a little more sophisticated and clever, just shows up to save him at the last minute. 
Yeah, yeah. During World War II, the Blitz is going on, and and he's delivering books to to uh, Nazis, and you know, a, a woman comes up, and he's you know, he basically says, you know, we've caught you. She works for British intelligence, and we knew you were Nazi spies the entire time. You're going to be arrested now and executed or whatever. And she ends up turning the gun on him because... It was a very uh, Indiana Jones-esque uh, twist. Yeah, exactly. Because she's working with, with them as well. She's also a Nazi and they just wanted the books and, and you know, they're going to kill him and everything. And Aziraphale comes up and he's, he's hopping through the church and he's like, uh, oh, you know, consecrated ground. It's like uh, walking on sand. Crowley, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, so... He ends, you know, he's like, uh, you know, basically says that he performed a miracle and that a bomb's going to land on that church instead of where it was supposed to go. And everyone that's not, uh, you know, like uh, doesn't have a, you know, access to miracles or whatever is going to be dead. And so they, they obviously, you know, enchant themselves so that they're not killed when the bomb drops. And then uh, Aziraphale says, oh, I totally forgot about the books. And you can see Crowley had preserved them from getting from getting destroyed too. So you can see that he he understands what Aziraphale cares about and and is mindful of that and considerate. Great. So that's a you know that's a great touch too when it comes to to their characters. And then uh after that opening, um they we move into what's her name? Um oh oh uh Mrs. Miss Device. I what's her first name? It's on the tip of my tongue. Anathema. Yeah, and that's right. Anathema Device. Right. She's still looking for Adam. Uh, she reveals that she can see auras around people, but she can't see his. And the voice of God informs us that the reason she can't see his aura is the same reason that if you're standing in the middle of Times Square, you can't see America. And we back up, and his aura goes like. All basically not all around the world, but a, a good portion of the part of the world that he's in, um, you know, is covered by by his right. aura. So uh, I'm trying to think what else. Where do we go from where do we go from here? I know she's upset. She's looking for her book and Adam comes to find her. He also uh, starts talking to her about witchcraft and she's like, oh, I'm not a witch. I'm an occultist. And he's like, oh, well, that's okay. Right. And she gives him a bunch of magazines of hers uh, that talk about uh, the occult and, and things like that that he starts to read. And he, he, we, we got a little bit of a glimpse in the last episode that his parents are sort of afraid of him. And they kind of have an inkling of maybe what he is. Not like I'm sure neither of them are like, oh, he's the Antichrist, but... He's sleeping, and she says, the mom says, oh, he's so, he's so peaceful and, like, kind of sweet when he's sleeping. And the dad says, yeah, when he's sleeping. And they, there's a couple looks that they exchange with each other when he's talking about um, the things he's reading in these magazines that the dad thinks is, you know, all bullocks. But, um... You know, he says, no, you know, it's true. They wouldn't print it in a magazine if it wasn't true. And there's some looks that they give each other where you can see that they're kind of they're kind of afraid or concerned about him. You know, like they they kind of sense something's up, you, you think. I, did you get that sense, Mike? Yeah, there's definitely like a weariness uh, from them around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, even amongst his friends, like they, uh, they, they often describe 
and as being kind of weird, but he's just like he has such a strong imagination. And he likes inventing games for his friends and stuff. That's like you know they're alert toward him for the most. Part. Yeah. Um. So from there, we kind of like Aziraphale and Crowley uh, are trying to find the boy. Um. Aziraphale's sort of you know like he's got the phone number, so he's he knows the address. He he basically knows exactly where this kid is. Um. Crowley contacts Michael McKeon and says, I know what town he's in, but I don't know exactly, you know, where. And, you know, send your best men there. And he's like, oh, right. I got just... Which is the guy he just met. Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, that might be his only man. Right. Except for the uh, the soup spoon and stuff like that. <laughs> um. But yeah, he, we find out too. He's also double dipping. He's getting um, he's getting yearly salaries from uh, from these guys for their uh, for his um, you know his organization here, and um, so he uh, his his um, Pulsiver his his guy there is reading newspapers, and he kind of independently comes across the fact that this town here has perfect weather for whatever time of year it is. So whatever time of year it is, it's the most ideal weather for that time of year. It snowed on Christmas Eve for the last 12 years or something like that there. And 11. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, like he thinks that it's, uh, you know, it could be being influenced by witches and, and things like that. And at first Michael McKeon seems to kind of shrug it off and then he says, you know, hey, the this city that you're talking about in this county, it wouldn't be what what's it called? Thaddenfield? Is that what it is? Or something like that? I'm not I don't remember. But it's something like that. And he's like, Yeah, how'd you know that? And so, you know, it's clear he's gonna send him there to kind of check things out. Um and I mean I think that's about all that happens in the episode that I can think of. Um, another important part is we meet another one of the uh, horsemen of the apocalypse, oh, which yeah. is Famine. That's right, yeah. And, and I think it's a really interesting take on it because uh, I, I've thought about this for years. Like he's he's basically like at a McDonald's type restaurant or like some kind of chain restaurant. Mm-hmm. And like he's talking about like you know how he's giving the people food, and he basically reveals that all the stuff they consider food is actually not food. It's like some kind of artificial process type thing. Which when you think about it, a lot of the food that people eat in general is is not actually food. It's just like a process. It's it's something that's edible, not really food. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and he's created like the ultimate in this where there's no food content in it at all. And there's like no nutritional value to it. Yeah. And, you know, it makes sense for famine. It's a really interesting idea, uh, like you said, as far as famine goes. At one point, they when they first show him, he's at a restaurant with his little assistant there, and they, they, they deliver this food, and it's like the smallest portions of anything ever. And the the waiter says, the chef uh, suggests that you start with this first. Uh, it's the first course or whatever. A a bag of air, uh, lavender, lavender scented air. And he just yeah, blows yeah. <laughs> in her face. It's, it's so ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, and then obviously he gets his scales. The, you know, the war has her sword. He gets his scales. And, um... You know, they're obviously they're getting geared up and he you know, he knows that it's time to go. Um oh and Aziraphale talks to Gabriel at one point. He goes to 
I'm guessing it's heaven or a heavenish type place or purgatory. Yeah, I think he, doesn't he go up the escalator? Yeah. And he talks to him and he's like, hey, you know, what if, just for instance, um, the, the boy that, you know, we think is the Antichrist actually isn't the Antichrist because the ambassador's going to this place in the Middle East where, you know, it's prophesied that the Armageddon will begin and everything. And, um, you know, they kind of laugh it off at first and then he leaves and then it seems like they take it a little more seriously and Gabriel wants it looked into. So I think in the episodes to come, we're going to get some more interference from the other angels because clearly they want this war to happen. Yeah, they're itching for it to happen. Yeah, they they uh, they want this final battle to to take place because, as Gabriel says, you know they they rebelled, they were all expelled, but nothing was really settled. And I guess by settled, he means they're still they still exist or whatever. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know that's that's obviously coming as well. Um, it's a dark comedy, so. You know, part of me thinks like, okay, well, maybe they'll forestall the end of days in some way. But then another part of me is like, well, it's Neil Gaiman and and uh, Pratchett or and um, and I think um, I think they're just going to end the world at the end of this thing. Um, <laughs> that's sort of where I'm leaning to. You know, it's funny. There's a there's a interesting story about him. Uh, when he died, he had all of uh, like. Uh, his previous work bulldozed and pulverized. Um, so I think, uh, I think they might just end up, you know, ending the world at the end of this series, you know, which obviously makes sense. It's only six episodes. It's only going to be one, one season. Um, so I'm fully open for that, uh, that possibility. I don't think that will be the end of, um, you know, Crowley and, and Aziraphale. I think they'll find a way out of it somehow, but I think that's what's going to end up happening because they're the ones we're really rooting for. We don't have much of a vested interest in the actual human beings in the show. Right. Uh, Anything else about this episode that you found uh, interesting? No, I think that's about it. All right. Well, that is our episode for tonight. Uh, as always, you can find us, uh, you know, mass search, massive late fee, and you'll find our Twitter, our Facebook, our MySpace, all, all that stuff. Uh, you can email the show at massive or massive late fee at gmail.com. Uh, you can find Mike at, uh, late underscore Mike. Uh, you can find retro late fee at retro underscore late fee on Twitter. And, uh, yeah. Oh, also, uh, check out the Patreon. Uh, these always come out early on Patreon for everyone, and there's uh, bonus content from Retro Late Fee exclusively for people who are on Patreon. So uh, check that out, and we will talk to you later. Uh, bye. See you later. <laughs>